reading from Nehemiah 6, verses 1 to 19, which is the whole chapter. It's got some very hard Old Testament names in there, so please bear with me. And I'm reading from the NIV. This is Nehemiah 6, 1 to 19. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written... It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You were just making it up out of your head. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me, because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also, in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehoanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, 
They kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Scotty. Can you just bring that table over for me, please? Thanks. Cass, you. Evening, everyone. Thank you, kind-hearted servant. The Lord bless you. Depart in peace. Um, Pastor Brendan is sick. Pastor Charlie is sick. Pastor Alvin has stomach issues. David and I alone are well. <laughs> the old blokes are doing all right. Um, before I pray and jump into tonight, just to remind you, <clears throat> PT met yesterday. We spent three hours together making decisions. And one of the decisions we made is that we wouldn't move the chairs. Told ya. <laughs> um, because of the information we've received about, you know, it can be on surfaces and touching it and somebody could touch it and yada, yada, yada. So we're trying to be precautions. So, I mean, you guys are young and healthy and the coronavirus will die as soon as it touches you, I'm sure. <clears throat> the smell alone. The smell alone. <clears throat> Um, so we met yesterday, you would have received, as Pastor David has already said, the email and the signs on the walls and so on. And our decision is, as the government said uh, on Friday, but also reiterated again today, that uh, with gatherings of, um, you have to be over 500 in, a, in a one facility, in one place, and sitting down for some time. If, you, if that's you, then you don't, please don't meet. And that's not us. While we have over 500 people who meet here, we don't all meet at the same time in the same facilities and so on, so work quite with our, you know, guidelines. <clears throat> there is, however, the PT yesterday discussed at length and then made a decision that when the government does announce that there has been community contact, that is, a person who has not travelled overseas and a person who has not, you know, sat next to somebody with the coronavirus but somehow has caught the coronavirus, as community contact. Somewhere in the community they've picked it up. As soon as that is announced in the city of Brisbane, then we will shut, close the doors. And when we do that, it's because we don't want to become like other churches in other countries and other parts of the world. They become clusters of the coronavirus. And so we don't want to do that. We want to particularly care for those amongst us who are elderly and those amongst us who have some sort of serious illnesses and so on. So please bear patiently with us. What will happen is all we will do is close the public service when that happens, and assuming it will happen, if it happens, I guess, However, you can still meet in your connect groups, your private groups, until the government says no meetings at all. So connect groups and small groups can still meet. Uh, the staff will still be attending the church and we will then be, we're recording now, but we will start live streaming, we hope, our services. So the worship team will come, I guess on a Sunday, and we will have two Chinese services, one Mandarin, one Cantonese, and we'll have two, evening, uh, two English services, one morning, one evening. Um, and we will live stream those services. We'll produce them and then put them up so you can connect in. That's why Pastor David was asking you about your permission forms. That we need the information to be able to stay in touch with you. So um, it's really important for us to gather together and have a sense of community. And so we want to try and maintain that. So your cooperation in that would be um, very helpful. Um, I think that's all I need 
to say. Oh, one other thing. Uh, we've put on our website a, an app which we would ask you to add to your phone. It's a generous app. It's a, a, a method of being able to contribute. If you don't give electronically to the church, obviously if we're not meeting, we can't collect offerings. And we have commitments. We have missionaries that we certainly want to support, staff to pay and bills to pay. So the work of the life of the church will go on. And so we need you to be contributing financially. And so if you can find a way of doing that, that would be greatly appreciated also. Um, Pastor Brendan had a head cold which went away and came back Pastor Charlie went to a wedding in Dolby a, a family wedding and I think he had a reception last night stayed overnight and was travelling like today he said I won't give you a description of what I've got because it's not nice so he has diarrhoea, vomiting and all sorts of things <laughs> I imagine I don't know what he's got we're going to pray let's pray thanks Heavenly Father that we can be together and help us to be wise uh, as a church community and help us to continue to have an impact in the wider community, to be your representative, salt and light, and to care for one another and for others. Lord, give us wisdom and grace. And tonight particularly, we ask that you would enlighten us out of this passage and speak truth to us. In Jesus' name and for his sake and our growth, we pray. Amen. Tonight's message is Nehemiah 6. <laughs> I didn't put the heading on that slide. I meant to come back for that. Well, I think that's funny. <laughs> anyway, we're doing Nehemiah 6. We'll work our way through that. Um, Nehemiah's building of the wall is uh, one of the greatest achievements at this particular time, and certainly in, in Jerusalem and for generations. And so they've almost completed the task. <clears throat> and as it says in verse 1 that they had the walls are up but the, not all the gates are in if you go back to chapter 3 you'll find that there is a mention of 10 gates in the city of Jerusalem and in the first six mentions of the gates it says the gates and the doors were all hung and put in place it's the last four where that's not finished so it's nearly finished but not quite and that's what it says there and the interesting thing is when word came to send ballots Tobiah and Geshem the Arab <clears throat> word from inside the city They've got friends on the inside who are on their side, not on Nehemiah's side, and they're not really in favour of what's going on. They sent word that the job is nearly finished, and suddenly there is this um, hurry of activity. We have to stop this. And Nehemiah is clearly the key leader, and we need to take him out. If we get him out of the road, the work will cease. And if the gates aren't up, if the walls, the walls are in place, but if the gates aren't there... It's still a very vulnerable city. It's not a lock-tight fortress. So it's this last-ditch effort to try and get it. And so they send this message to Nehemiah. And I would imagine Nehemiah watching this and overseeing it and the, and the thing nearly finished, he would be planning celebrations, wouldn't he? You know, ribbon-cutting stuff and having a band come and play and there'd be a feast to celebrate and give thanks to God and all of those things are in place. And then this happened. Sanballat Geshem sent me a message. You know, they wrote it out probably, and personal delivery person. Come, let's meet together. Sounds reasonable. Let's meet together. You pick the village. In the plains of Ono. You can see the heading, can't you? Nehemiah says no to Ono. <laughs> and somehow, and it's all through this chapter, and in fact, Nehemiah was a man who was very much in tune with God, loved God, and was serving him. But he's also a man who has this discernment, this insight whether that's God giving it to him or it's a, 
um, you know, a, a one-off event as we went along, of whether it was a gift or an event, because he deceived, uh, perceived that they were scheming to harm me. Come, let's meet together. Let's go to Ono. It's about a day away, almost a day. He'll have to leave Jerusalem and the work, so that would come to a cease, a stop. Go for a day's trip. It's a lovely valley. It's a lovely resort. It would be, you know, a relaxing holiday. You've been working hard, Nehemiah. Come and relax and let's chat. Let's have a summit. <clears throat> um, then they'd have a day of the conference and a day back. So it's at least half a week out. And to which Nehemiah discerning, eh, this is ridiculous. It's, we've nearly finished the job and now they're trying to get me to stop. So I sent messages back to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. Can't come down won't come down. Why should the work stop if I go down to you? He's discerning, he's insightful, he's focused. God called me to do something and I will not be sidetracked or distracted by it. But what you can certainly expect is when God calls us to do something, the evil one's going to step up, he'll oppose it. He responds four times. They sent the same message, four times. And it's within a very short period of time because the job is nearly finished. It's like, it's either every day or it's in the morning and in the evening, same message. Nehemiah's not distracted, he just gave him the same answer. And mind you, he doesn't say to them, I understand you're trying to trick me and you know, you're going to get me up there and you're going to kidnap me, you're going to ambush me, you're going to kill me, you're going to remove me from the scene and all of that. So I just gave him the same answer. He dealt with it factually. Sometimes that's what we need to do in our response to the opposition we encounter as we are seeking to obey God. Don't give it a lot of airtime, don't give it a lot of fuel, just reply and stay focused. Get on with the job. <clears throat> if it's first you don't succeed, give up. No. If it's first you don't succeed, try, try again. Or if it's first you don't succeed, change tactics. That's what these guys do. The fifth time, Sanballat sent his assistant, his personal assistant. It's not a messenger now, it's somebody of some influence. I know what's going on. And he comes with the same message and he comes with a letter. But the scripture says the letter is unsealed. So what? Well, they've written a letter and the envelope is not stuck down. What does that mean? Anybody can read it. And anybody and many people would have. And in the nature of the letter itself, oh, Struth, can you read that? I can't see that. I'll turn around. It is reported among the nations. <coughs> we have heard from whom? Not told. And by the way, Geshem the Arab, he says it's true. Well, how the heck would he know? He's not in Jerusalem, he's up north. But Geshem, who's one of your enemies, he's, that's true. He, then the, the letter goes on, that you and the Jews are actually, and there's three accusations, you're plotting to revolt, therefore yeah, that's why you're building the wall. That's why this frantic activity is going on. Ah, we've figured it out. You're intending to uh, rebel against King Artaxerxes in Persia and set up your own little kingdom. And in fact, uh, there are reports, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and you've even appointed prophets whose job is to go around and to proclaim publicity campaign. There's a king in Jerusalem. Now, here is the... Satan always has a way, and so do his enemies, his workers, they have a way of exposing their true motivations. It's there somewhere. 
Now, this report might get back to the king. You better meet with us. Well, how is meeting with you going to stop the report getting to the king? Well, we won't send it. But if you don't meet with us, we will. It's a threat. And Nehemiah sees through it, obviously. Um, and so he replies, I sent this reply. Now, sometimes, I'll take a little bit of time on this, sometimes when there are rumours and there is gossip going on, sometimes you just got to turn a deaf ear or a, and a blind eye to it and just ignore it. Sometimes you have to reply to it. Nehemiah, in this case, replies to it because it's a letter sent to him, so he replies to the letter. But his reply is short, it's factual, and he not only replies, but he also, I think, prays. Nothing like what you were saying is happening, you're just making it up out of your head. He sends that back in an envelope which is not sealed, an open envelope. So that other people could read it on the way. He's calling their bluff, basically. Uh, they were all trying to frighten us, and I bet it did. I bet it disturbed him, because that's what rumours and gossip is intended to do, to hurt, to harm. And it may have achieved some of that on him. Um, they were thinking, we'll weaken their hands so the work will stop. So what does Nehemiah do? Praise. Dear God, in the midst of this, I'm scared, I'm frightened they're going to do that and strengthen my hands that I'll finish the job you've given me to do. He replies short, sharp, speaks the truth and he prays, he commits it to God. What do we do? Because we live in a world of rumours, don't we? Well, I've said this a lot, I'm going to say it again. Often with rumours or gossip or whatever you want to call it, the source is never quoted. Have you heard and you don't, we don't ask why, we don't probe. Um, <clears throat> rumours and gossip is often filled with false conclusions, assumptions, and there's often exaggeration and inaccurate information. And we pass it from mouth to ear, from ear, mouth to ear, mouth to ear, and we pass it on. And it'll come up again later on in this chapter. Well, what should we do? Because the number one enemy of unity in amongst God's people is this thing. The number one problem of unity, the number one danger to unity is the tongue. What we say and what we say about one another. And we all talk about one another, don't we? And many of the times that's just harmless. It's not a problem. You know, um, that sermon Pastor Darrell preached was just superb. Stuff like that. We say those sorts of things. <coughs> Don't you? <laughs> Fishing. Um, but we often too get hurt or upset and we pass that on. And the questions to ask are these, and there's a series of them, but I'm going to boil it down eventually to three. Is it wise to repeat rumours? Answer? No. Is it necessary? No. Does this rumour contain confidential information? And if so, is it my place to pass it on? Often, no. So <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19 talk about seven things the Lord hates and three of them had to do with the tongue, the mouth, sowing discord amongst brothers. So the questions to ask are, is it true? What's the source? Where did you hear that? How do you know? Ask those questions. And then 
even if you get answers to that, does it benefit anybody? Does it edify anybody? Does it build other people up if I say this about them? Now, that's a whole lot of questions boiled down to this. Why are you telling me? What do you want me to do with this information? That's a good question to ask. Then there are two questions that I ask. I once had occasion a couple of weeks ago now, it was a reasonably tense conversation, but I got miffed. I overheard this person talking to another person and the person A was talking about person C who wasn't present and they were talking to person B about person C. Does that make sense? So I was miffed. So I went up and I just stood in the group. He kept talking. So I said to person A, why are you talking about him? Oh, because, because, because. Then I said, what are you going to do about it? Why are you talking about him? And what are you going to do about it? To which he gave excuses and reasons to try and justify himself. And he was certainly upset because he was caught. Now, the same thing, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm not saying that I don't do it and I'm not saying that I couldn't get caught because I could. What I'm saying is we need to actually do that with each other as a community. We need to protect each other. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak it in love. And we've got to work hard at it because behind all of this opposition and these rumours and these letters, and it's not people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Behind all of this is the evil one. It's a spiritual battle that's going on and our focus can become wrong that we become angry at one another when really we should be angry at the evil one. Why are you talking about that? Why are you talking to me? And what are you going to do about it? And if you're not going to do anything about it, this is the hard one. A, B, C. Why are you talking about it? B, what are you going to do about it? C, I'm going to tell person C what you said, what do you think will happen? Several things could happen, but one of the things I hope would happen would that that person would stop it. That they should go and talk to person C about it and not to anybody else. That's exactly what God's word teaches us and what we are to do. Well, what do you do when you've got a really serious disagreement and you do need to talk about it and you need to talk to somebody about it? And there are times like that. Well, you talk to somebody if you can't talk to the person involved, then you talk to somebody who can do something about it. Make sense? So by all means, it's okay to talk to one another, but with the motivation that I'm trying to be helpful, I'm going to do something about this. Help me to do exactly that. Nehemiah's response in this particular case, as I've already said, is remarkable because we... We naturally jump to our own defence. We naturally are very sensitive about our own reputations. Nehemiah appears to be a little bit indifferent. He's certainly concerned about God's opinion of him, but he simply answers this rumour, what you're saying is not true, and he prays. Doesn't engage in dialogue with them. He doesn't go into details refuting their arguments and saying that's not true because of this, this. He doesn't fuel it. Just denies it and moves on. Something perhaps for us to learn. Um, so, well, that was helpful. Let's pray. Is that what I'm up to? Verse 10, yes. Um, 
So we're up to the third incident now in this very chapter. One day I went to the house of Shemai. So this guy is in the city of Jerusalem. He's, either a pro he's certainly a prophet and he may very well also be a priest because he has access to the temple. And he appears at this stage to be friendly to Nehemiah. Turns out he's not. He's really, you know, a fifth column. He's in support of Tobiah and the other people. And, but Nehemiah hasn't picked up on that yet. So does he invite Nehemiah to come? Whatever it is, Nehemiah goes to the house to visit with this guy who's uh, confined to his home for some reason. Uh, whatever that was. But even that's a bit of a ruse because, in fact, he says, let's meet at the temple. So he's not stuck at home. He's not bound at home. And because he's a prophet, he actually says to Nehemiah when he comes, listen, Nehemiah, uh, the Lord has given me a message for you. The Lord is saying someone is coming by night to kill you. So let's go meet at the temple and let's get behind the, the doors of the temple and let's close it. Let's go into the holy, pla the holy place and we'll lock the doors. We'll be safe right there. What's wrong with that? Well, Nehemiah is not a priest and he's not a Levite. Nehemiah can't go into the holy place. It would be a sin. It's contravening God's word. So Nehemiah knew God's word. And when this prophet said, God's got a message for you, Nehemiah went, the message you have given me contradicts what I know God's word says. So Nehemiah puts two and two together. And he says, um, will such a man as I flee. I realised that God had not sent him but that he'd prophesied because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him and so I said to him, should a man like me flee away or should someone like me, you know, go into the temple to save his life? I won't go. Um, he tried to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by going and then see what it says. Not only would I have offended God and sinned and done the wrong thing, but then they would spread a bad report about me to discredit me. That was the motivation all along. That's how Satan works behind the scenes and so on. Um, and tongues would wag, you could imagine it, couldn't you? Do you, want, do you know where Nehemiah is each night? Do you know who he's with? They're in there together, behind locked doors. What's going on? Rumours. Misunderstanding, an evil report being spread. Um, we need to work very hard not to become a tool in Satan's hands by maligning or gossiping one another. I've told you this story before a long time ago. <clears throat> there was a man once who did that, who did the wrong thing, and he was gossiping about his friend, and eventually he found out that what he was saying was wrong. So he went to his pastor or priest or whichever, and, uh, he's, and confessed and said, what do I do? How do I undo this? He said, I want you to go and get a bag of feathers and I want you to go through the whole village and I want you to place a feather on the doorstep of each house in the village for penance to try and put this right. So the man got a bag of feathers, he went and did it and he put it all down. Then he thought he'd finished and he came back to the priest, minister, pastor, whatever, <clears throat> and said, I've done that. Then the priest says, now I want you to go and pick up all the feathers. And he said, well, that's impossible. The wind now has blown half of them away. So too with gossip. The words you speak, you cannot. It's impossible to pull them back. They're gone. And they've done their damage. Therefore, don't do it. Don't play, let ourselves be tools in the hands of the evil one to do that to one another. 
And from Nehemiah's response, we also know it's impossible to do God's will, to walk in faith and obedience with him and not be attacked. Impossible. Doesn't happen. If you're obedient to Jesus, if you're doing what God wants you to do, you will be opposed. You will be attacked. Expect it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be upset by it. That's the, issue. That's the norm. The issue is, will you do what God wants you to do when you are attacked, when you are opposed? Will you stay the course? Nehemiah did, and God blessed him and used him incredibly. When we are invited like Nehemiah was to do the wrong thing, we need to be careful not to do so, not to join in. Sometimes, like in this instance, go to the temple and hide and protect yourself. <clears throat> Sometimes disobedience looks like it can achieve a good result. It never does. Don't disobey. And if you do disobey, if you do slip up, then simply confess, repent, get back on track. Obey God's word regardless of the consequences that will come. And so you need to know God's word in order to do that. And then, of course, now that the walls are up, the gates are in, Nehemiah has repelled all of these oppositions. The Bible says that um, Satan gave up, went home, and Nehemiah and the Jews lived happily ever after. No. So the wall was completed on the 5th of Elul, 52 days. Remarkable event. A lot of workers, obviously, doing that. But this... When our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realised, Nehemiah didn't do this. God did it. God is with him. So when we obey God, despite the opposition, and follow him, people around us will know God did it. And he gets the glory. Also in those days, so it doesn't stop. The walls are up. It's finished. No. Nope. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah, inside the city, they were sending many letters to Tobiah, emails left, right and centre, text messages and letters, and replies came from Tobiah back to them. Many in Judah were under oath to Tobiah. This guy is somebody on the outside, a governor in the north, a distance from Jerusalem, but he's a man of influence. He's married in to, he's connected to the nobles. He's a son-in-law to somebody and his son married somebody and they kept reporting to him um, and writing to him and it even says that they came to Nehemiah and they were telling Nehemiah, Tobiah is a really good guy. He'd fooled them. And then they reported back to Tobiah what Nehemiah said. Whatever he said. They're still trying to undermine Nehemiah. And then eventually Nehemiah, uh, Tobiah's true colours come out because at the end it says, um, and Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. He exposed himself. When God works, we should always expect the evil one, not directly, not personally, not physically, and not presently, but through people, will work. Remember Jesus when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem and you know, I'm going to be uh, rejected by the elders and uh, beaten and crucified, third day I'll rise again from the dead. Peter says to him, this ain't happening to you, Lord. And Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Here is an apostle being a tool in the hands of the evil one to oppose God's direction and God's will. 
and that's par for the course. He doesn't let up, he doesn't let go. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8 says that he's like a roaring lion walking around seeking someone to devour. He delights in hurting, harming, dividing and destroying. He came to steal, kill and destroy. That's the evil one. So we need to be on guard against him. We can't fight him in our own strength, but we can as we obey God and Jesus and follow his word. This guy, Tobiah, you'll come back and hear about him in chapter 13. When Nehemiah goes back to visit the king, Tobiah is so well connected, he moves into the city of Jerusalem. He actually has quarters in the temple. He's got an apartment in the temple. He's got all his furniture in there. And when Nehemiah comes back, this is chapter 13, verses 4 to 9, he, uh, <laughs> Nehemiah comes along and very graciously and gently turfs it all out, throws it out onto the street, and gets rid of it. That's Tobiah. He's a problem dude. We need to learn how to deal with rumours. Why are you saying that? Why are you talking about that person? Why are you talking to me about that person? What are you going to do about it? If you're not going to do anything, I'm telling that person about you, that you've got issues with them. The reality is we'll never see a sin-free church. We are fallen and we are imperfect. A sin-fee church. Yep, we will never charge for sin in our church. <laughs> Though if we did, we'd be better off, wouldn't we? <laughs> Please don't mention this to anybody else. My typos have a way of being gossiped about. Rumours being told, publicly even. We'll never see a sin-free church. There's, we're fallen. We live in a fallen world. The evil one is very active. It is about us. So when, when things do go wrong and when you do get hurt, don't panic and don't lose faith and hope. Just go, well, that's par for the course. How do I deal with this? And God allows all of this, you see, because he's growing us. He's wanting us to mature and following Jesus. And he's given us the tools, his word, his spirit, to connect his, with his word, to talk to him in prayer, to fellowship with one another, reach out to others who want to know him. Problems will always erupt. My garden and my footpath a month ago was neat and clean. And with the amount of rain we've had, I have weeds that are this tall in the garden. I saw them today. And the path, which is stone, has uh, weeds cropping up all through it, simply because of the rain. Where did they come from? Problems will always erupt in this world. If you're not having any troubles and if you don't have any struggle, just keep living. It'll catch up with you. And like Nehemiah, do what he did. He was successful because he did that. Stay close to God and be prayerful. If you read the first six chapters of Nehemiah, just even quickly, you'll find about, from memory, it's about a dozen times um, where he prays. And even in this chapter, he does it twice. He was a man who was always turning to God and always casting his cares upon God and journeying with God each and every day. He didn't do it in his own strength. He did it in a relationship and an obedience to our Heavenly Father. So there's a lot there for us to learn, isn't there? Lots of lessons, and God certainly wants you to absorb, well, all of them, but some of them in particular this week might be relevant for you. So let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again, that you haven't given up on us, that you sent Jesus to reconcile us to yourself. 
gave us your spirit and your word and one another to teach us and to train us, to help us to grow. Lord, help us not to be discouraged by fallenness, by rumours or gossip. Forgive us for the times when we engage in that. Help us to do better. Help us to cut it out. And help us to walk closely with you, um, responding to your nudges and prompts, committed to your cause and call, and not distracted by all of the tricks of the evil one. Lord, do your work in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.
he has said that he will bring me home and day by day i know he will someone to pray with you tonight before you go please come and talk to us or you might like to just pray amongst yourselves so whatever works for you but we'd love to have people pray and and uh, hear us if you know if you'd like to talk to someone then we're here to hear you do that let me just close with this benediction so go forth into the world in peace be of good courage hold fast to that which is good render to no person evil for evil strengthen the faint-hearted Support the weak, help the afflicted, honour all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you folks. Have a great week.